Scripture memory is essential to every believer, but what about teaching it to our kids? Find out today on Changed by Grace. Welcome to Changed by Grace. I'm Pastor Steve Herford. In our last study, we looked at Psalm 119 in verse 9 and learned that the way to a pure life is through memorizing and applying God's Word. As we continue our look today at Psalm 119, we're now going to learn the value of treasuring God's Word in our hearts. Let's learn more together. Notice the answer that he gives regarding purity. Look back at verse 9. The psalmist answers his own question in verse 9, and then he elaborates on it further in verses 10 through 16. The question in verse 9 is, how can a young man keep his way pure? His immediate answer is, by keeping it according to your word. In other words, the answer regarding purity The answer to the question of how a young man can keep his way pure is by obeying God's word. That's the key. One of the most crucial problems in the life of every young man or every person is to keep pure. But the answer is by practical obedience to the word of God. I notice that the longer that I'm a believer, almost 24 years now, the longer that I'm a believer, the things that I used to struggle with, I don't struggle with anymore. But that's not to say I've arrived or that I don't struggle with anything because I have a new set of things to struggle with. But some of those youthful things, those youthful sins, I don't seem to struggle as much with that anymore because I spent a lot of time during that time running like crazy from it and seeking to replace those sinful, lustful thoughts with the pure word of God. I want to tell you, 1 Corinthians 10.13, when it talks about God providing a way of escape, the best way of escape is through the trial, through the temptation, with the Word of God. And if you don't take practical steps, like hiding the Word in your heart and going as far as quoting it when you're tempted, you're going to fall in that temptation. You're not going to overcome. And you have to take drastic steps against sin. And the Word is the answer. Do what the Word says. Simply speaking. How can a young man keep his way pure? By doing what God says. By obeying God's Word. God's Word is the standard. You line yourself up under His standard. You live your life according to His standard. Notice in verse 9, he says, How can a young man keep his way pure? Notice the word way there. That signifies a track or a or a rut such as would have been made by the by a wheel of a cart. A young sinner had not beaten a broad path, but rather had transgressed again and again in the same manner, creating a sinful rut. Or we would call it a habit. How can he escape? By taking heed according to your word. Heeding the Word of God leads to a godly lifestyle. Ignoring the Word of God leads to a godless rut or a habit. So obedience to God's Word is the answer to purity. You know, Joseph feared God and he was obedient to God's Word, which is why he could not sin in doing what Potiphar's wife wanted him to do and having an immoral relationship to her. Listen to Genesis 39, verses 7 through 9. And it came about after these events that his master's wife looked with desire at Joseph and said 
lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, behold, with me here, my master does not concern himself with anything in the house. And he has put all things that he owns in my charge. There is no one greater in this house than I. And he has withheld nothing from me except you. Notice this, because you are his wife. How then could I do this great evil and sin against God? See, Joseph lived a life of obedience to the word. Why do you think God used him? He was faithful. As he went through all that he did with his brothers, he remained faithful to the Lord. God elevated him in his humility. Many lessons for us to learn right there. But we see the principles of his life in by withholding himself in committing adultery. He said and viewed this as a great evil and sin against God. Now, the only way he would have known that was to have known what God said about adultery, right? And he learned God's view about adultery by meditating on the word that talked about that. You see, it's the word that brings about purity. Jesus said to his disciples in John fifteen three, you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. See, it's the word that sets us apart to God. Jesus is praying to the father there in the garden in John seventeen seventeen, and he's praying for his disciples. And he says to sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. Set them apart with the truth. And notice this, Ephesians five twenty five. Through 27, every husband is to have a purifying love toward his wife. And it says, husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might what? Sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be what? Holy. And blameless. And you see purity connected to the word. It's always connected to obedience to the word. The truth. Being sanctified in the truth. So the first answer regarding purity. How can a young man keep his way pure? Is by obeying God's word. Notice the second answer in verse 10. How can a young man keep his way pure? He does that by seeking God With all of his heart. He says in verse 10. With all my heart I have sought you. Do not let me wander from your commandments. What is involved in obeying God's word? A seeking heart. And that's the only safeguard against wandering from the commandments. See the psalmist had already stated in verse 2. That those who are blessed or those who observe or obey his testimonies. Those who seek him with all their heart. See, you'll notice there in verse 10, with all my heart, that's a phrase that that he favors. That's how he looks at his relationship with God. It's not something half-hearted. It's not something that he occasionally does, but it's something that he does with his entire being, his entire self. It, It has all of him. He is consumed with God. He's consumed with God's word. Beloved, the greatest desire that I have for you is that you too would be consumed 
with God in his word. The greatest desire I have for my kids is that they would be consumed with God and consumed with his word. That that's the greatest desire that they have. Not getting riches in this world, not advancing in, in this powerful career, though God may choose to do all of that. That's his business. But the greatest thing that they could pursue after is to seek God with all their heart. It's the heart, Solomon said in Proverbs chapter 4, which flow all the issues of life. That's why he tells you to guard your heart. You want to guard what you're putting in. You don't want to just sit there and allow anything to come in your heart that will make you impure, that will cause you to deny God and to not think about God and not honor and glorify God. You don't want to put things in your heart and in your mind that elevate yourself, that promote pride. You want to put things in your heart that promote humility. Things that promote dependence on God. Things that cause Him to get the glory and not you. Look at verse 34. The psalmist says, Give me understanding that I may observe your law and keep it how? With all my heart. See, he wasn't interested in half-hearted obedience. And guess what? God's not interested in half-hearted obedience either. God is interested in you loving him. How? With all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And loving your neighbor the same way you love yourself. On all of this, on those two verses, hang all the law and the prophets. Look at verse 58. He says, I entreated your favor with all my heart. Be gracious to me according to your word. Look at verse 69. The arrogant have forged a lie against me. With all my heart, I will observe your precepts. Precepts, again, is another title for the word of God. And then look at verse 145. He says, I cried with all my heart. Answer me, O Lord. I will observe your statutes. You see how everything is focused on the word? Everything in his life was the word. He wanted to seek God with all of his heart. He wanted to have understanding of God's word, his law, the Torah. He wanted to seek after that with all of his heart. Because he knew that that was the only way that he could be kept from, verse 10, wandering from God's word. Listen, if you don't seek God with all your heart, you don't follow heart after purity, you don't see that God's pure and that's his will for your life, you're going to wander away. You're going to stray away from the truth. If the truth is not first, then you've already started straying. See, it's, it's like what it says in Song of Solomon. It, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's the little things that you give yourself to that lead to the bigger things. People don't go into big sin just like that. It's the little things that they've given themselves over to that lead into the bigger things. Listen, the man that cheats on his wife doesn't just all of a sudden just go out and do it. He's been occupying little flirtatious things that had been advances on his own part or advances on the other party. He's been doing this over time. He's been lusting in his heart. He's been entertaining those things with his eyes to where finally the fall is big. See, when you give in to little sins in your life, it's so much easier to give in to a big sin. The fear is gone. 
And here the psalmist says, unless I seek you with all my heart, I'm going to wander. I'm going to stray. Notice verse 11 now. How can a young man keep his way pure? Verse 11. By treasuring God's word in your heart. You'll notice that it first begins by obedience. Secondly, it begins by seeking God with a full heart. Third, it goes to treasuring God's word. Treasuring it in your heart. See, purity requires obedience to God's word. It it requires seeking God with all your heart. It requires treasuring God's word in your heart. The psalmist says, your word I have treasured in my heart that I may not sin against you. The psalmist recognized, first of all, that this is God's word. He says, your word. You know, he does that 33 times in this psalm. Thirty-three times he refers to God's word as your word. This is your word. He does it in verse 9, verse 11, verse 16, verse 17, verse 25, verse 28, verse 38, verse 41, verse 42, verse 50, verse 58, verse 65, verse 67, verse 74, verse 76, verse 81, verse 82, verse 89, verse 101, verse 105, verse 107, verse 114, 116, 133, 140, 148, 154, 158, 160, 162, 169, 170, and 172. This is God's Word. He only needed to say it once. He accommodated us by saying it 33 times. Secondly, He says, your word I have treasured. God's word is to be treasured in your heart. And the word treasured means to store up, to hide away. Here it may mean to memorize the law. This seems to be the meaning that's supported by verse 13. He says, with my lips I have told all the ordinances of your mouth. Do you see God's word as a precious treasure? Charles Spurgeon says his heart would be kept by the word because he kept the word in his heart. All that he had of the word written and all that had been revealed to him by the voice of God, all without exception, he had stored away in his affections as a treasure to be preserved in a casket or as a choice seed to be buried in a fruitful soil. What soil more fruitful than a renewed heart, wholly seeking the Lord? The word was God's own and therefore precious to God's servant. He did not wear a text on his heart as a charm, but he hid it in his heart as a rule. He laid it up in the place of love and life, and it filled the chamber with sweetness and light. He says, we must in this intimate David or intimate David, copying his heart work as well as his outward character. First, we must mind that what we believe is truly God's word. And that being done, we must hide or treasure it, each man for himself. And we must see that this is done not as mere feat of the memory, but as the joyful act of the affections. You know, Jeremiah said, in the midst of everyone refusing to hear God's word, he says, I hear it. And he says in Jeremiah fifteen sixteen, your words were found and I ate them and your words became for me a joy and delight of my heart. For I've been called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. 
I took your words and I ate them. Does that describe your desire? Does that describe your heart towards God's word? Is it the joy and the delight of your heart? Where are you to treasure God's word? Well, the psalmist says in your heart. That's the goal. You want to put it in your heart because verse 16, you don't want to forget it. And when you have a treasure that you prize above all things, you don't forget it. Listen, my wife is a treasure to me. My kids are a treasure to me. I don't walk around forgetting about them. But you know what? The word is even a greater treasure than they are. Listen, I love my family with every bit of my being. I mean, it doesn't take five minutes to be around me to find that out. But you know what? I love God more. I love his word more. I don't want to forget his word. You know, if I've learned anything from the two-week time off, I learned a lot of things, actually. I learned when you have a couple kids how much little time you have, which is usually none. Hey, I was very fortunate just to hear the Bible during those two weeks, or maybe read a little bit of it. But talk about studying it, that was, that was almost an impossibility. It's, it's this place right here that gives me that opportunity to study, gives me the accountability of studying it. We need to treasure God's Word. And we need to hide it in our heart. You know, that's why you hear statements about As it says in verse 16, not forgetting. What's the opposite of not forgetting? Remembering. You know, David called on Asaph and his relatives to give thanks to the Lord when he said in 1 Chronicles 16, 15, he said, remember his covenant forever. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. Remember it. That's why you want to hide it in your heart, because you don't want to forget it. When God instituted the Feast of Unleavened Bread, He said in Exodus 13, 8, And you shall tell your son on that day, saying, It is because what the Lord did for me when I came out of Egypt. And it shall serve as a sign to you on your hand and as a reminder on your forehead that the law of the Lord may be in your mouth. For with a powerful hand the Lord brought you out of Egypt. All these things were be were to be reminders about God. You know, a long time ago, you know, when Teresa had more time, she used to take, you know, be into stitching and all that stuff. So I asked her, would you make me pictures that I can hang around the room with Scripture on it? And, and she did all of that for me, and I have them in my study, have still to this day. And I can look around the room at times and look at certain passages that were very memorable to me, and it reminds me, just like the passage that we stuck in the bulletin this week, Psalm 121, 1 to 3. That passage right there reminds us that, listen, the world is not our help. God is our help. And, beloved, it is in affliction. It's in trials. It's in tribulations where you need to know that the most. But if you're not hiding the word in your heart, what do you have to hang on to? What do you have to help you in your time of need? Think about those persecuted brothers and sisters that we tell you about all the time through the ministry of Voice of the Martyrs that don't have a Bible. 
And you and I have probably 10 Bibles in our home. Go to my computer. There's probably 50 Bibles on my computer. And these people don't have the Bible. And what they have had of the Bible that was smuggled to them, they have to memorize it. Because that's the only way that they're going to be able to keep it because it's going to be taken away from them. If they're caught with it, they're going to be killed. Look with me at 2 Peter 1.5. Peter told his readers to remember by adding moral qualities to their life. And he tells them in verse 12 that he would be always ready to remind them of these things. Notice what he says, beginning at verse 5. Now, for this very reason also, applying all diligence in your faith, he says, supply moral excellence. And in your moral excellence, knowledge. And in your knowledge, self-control. And in your self-control, perseverance. And in your perseverance, godliness. And in your godliness, brotherly kindness. And in your brotherly kindness, love. And if these qualities are yours and increasing, they render you neither useless nor unfruitful in the true knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these qualities, notice this, is blind or short-sighted, having forgotten His purification from his former sins. Therefore, brethren, be all the more diligent to make certain about his calling and choosing you. For as long as you practice these things, you will never stumble. For if in this way the entrance into the kingdom of of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ will be abundantly supplied to you. Therefore, I will always be ready to remind you of these things, even though you already know them and have been established in the truth which is present with you. I consider it right, as long as I am in this earthly dwelling, to stir you up by way of reminder. In fact, he says that. He mentions about forgetting in verse 9. Talks about being diligent to make your calling and election sure in verse 10. Says in verse 12 and 13 about reminding them. In verse 15, he says, I will also be diligent that at any time after my departure, you will be able to call these things to mind. You'll be able to remember. You know what it's like to forget things, don't you? As you get older, you seem to forget more. It's the wonderful thing about getting old. And and you walk around the house and things that you place in certain places, you can't find them now. I mean, there's two things that you've got to keep up with, your keys, and if you wear glasses, you've got to keep up with them. You know, If you keep up with those two things, I think you've got life under control. But the two things we hear in our house is, where are my keys and where are my glasses? <laughs> Mine are always on my face, so I don't have to worry about that. It's important that we remember the right things. We think many times what we put in that it doesn't matter because eventually we're going to forget it. But the truth of the matter is it is there and certain things will trigger it and call it back. Just as I was sharing with you about music of the world that I had put in there for all those years. And when I hear certain songs today, they will immediately come back and I know the words. And I haven't heard those songs in maybe 20 years. Mind is powerful. So people that say, oh, I can't memorize Scripture. No, you should say is I won't memorize Scripture. Not I can't. Because you can. I don't know how many times that I've 
handed a credit card to somebody, and I, I could probably give you the number off of it. Or my driver's license. I, I know my driver's license number. You know your social security number. You know your house number, your phone number, your internet address, your email. You remember all these things? And you know how you remember them? It's because you constantly review them. So over and over and over, you use it. Same thing is true about Scripture. In fact, I came across a neat little program. And I put a link to it on our website under the study tools. It's called Memorize His Word. It's a Bible program. works on your PC. It's only 20 bucks. And I download, you can download a demo and try it out. I downloaded it. You can add any verse in there you want. It's got verses already in there. You can use just about any version you want. I use the NAS and it has it in there. And what it'll do is it'll pop up your verse. You can make words disappear. You can tell it to disappear four words, eight words, or whatever while you're trying to memorize it. And when you're done, you close it. Next day, you turn your computer on, it pops up. And it says, here, here's the verses you need to remember today. You want to go over them? I mean, it asks you stuff like that. And you click it on, and the verse pops up, and you go over it again. See, one of the hardest things about doing anything for memory is reviewing it, going back over it, doing it again. You know, we did two years in a row, the MacArthur Scripture Memory System. 365, no, it was 52 passages of Scripture. 52 passages. So it was more than 52 Scriptures because they were passages of Scripture, not just one verse. How many of you did that? Don't raise your hand. But let me ask you this. If you did it, can you still recall them? Have you been working on them? Have you went back through those passages of Scripture? Because if you haven't, most likely you've lost them. The guy that put together that program, he said that his desire was to memorize Scripture, and he did that. But he found real quickly the problem of recalling, going back and reviewing over it. So he said, I memorized Romans 6, but because I didn't go back and review it, I lost it. You know what, I can relate to that because I've memorized Romans 6, Colossians 3, Psalm 139, John 15, and I probably cannot call up most of the verses in those chapters because I haven't went over them. See, when you do memorization, you also have to do meditation. You have to go back and recall it. You have to go back and go over it. Now, if you're like me, you use a computer every day, you sit behind a computer at work, and your company doesn't mind that you put a program on there, make the $20 investment. Like this, 1995. Make that investment. And put the verses that we're memorizing. In fact, I will, I'll go even further. I came across another website called scripturememorychallenge.org, I think. I have it on our website. And, and I was pretty fascinated by this because it said, I want to challenge you for one year to learn one verse out of every chapter in the New Testament. Well, that's a good challenge for all of us to take up, and I hope that you'll do that with me today. The message you've heard today was called Teaching Your Kids About Scripture Memory. Now, this was two parts, but it's available on one full-length audio CD, and it's made available today by calling us at 904-651-3351. You can download both parts on our website at www.changedbygrace.org. Well, I'm Pastor Steve Herford. Thank you for joining us today. I hope that you'll join us again next time as we study together God's Word.